Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, boys, we have got two summer previews. Uh, Let's go. We are ready yes. to, to dive in and get started talking about the starting off talking about the four teams Northwestern will not be seeing in conference this year. Um, and what better place to start than with the defending conference champion, uh, the Michigan Wolverines. Um, you know, they were dominant on defense last year, just absolutely dominant. But how much of that is coming back, John? And uh, what, what do we make of the this year's Wolverine D? Well, so they were very good last year. And that was, frankly, pretty crazy. Uh, because this D was straight up way better than it had any right to be last year, given the performance that the Wolverines turned in on D in 2020. So some of that improvement was Michigan being Michigan, and some of it was luck, and some of it was really, really good decision-making. And all of that is going to be important heading into 2022. So some of you are probably sitting here listening, thinking, just like Sam said, no duh, Michigan was awesome last year. Because they had Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo and Daxton Hill. And those guys were all known to be awesome coming into last year. So, yes, that is correct. Okay? Like, we get it. But Michigan's D in 2020 was straight up garbage. And there's a really obvious reason for why that was. Michigan's linebackers were absolutely atrocious that year. So that core just straight up blew this bunny layup that they had in 2020. And all signs pointed to them doing the exact same thing in 2021. So, if they were so good, what happened? Well, first of all, obviously, Aiden Hutchinson went up a level. So this guy was already an amazing football player at defensive end. But from the very beginning of the year, he just grabbed that number one draft pick spot and he would not let it go. He had 16 tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks. And probably most impressive of all, 65 tackles, which from the defensive end position is a huge impact. So he took a defensive line that was already setting the table for the linebackers as much as it possibly could. And then he somehow took things up a level from that. So it was just a towering contribution from him. But probably the single thing most responsible for Michigan's leap upward to the number four total scoring and passing defense and the number five rush defense was Mike McDonald. In his one year as Michigan's defensive coordinator, McDonald was just absolutely stellar. His player development and his decision-making were excellent, and he parlayed that performance into the current defensive coordinator job with the Baltimore Ravens. So what did he do? The first thing McDonald did was he coaxed a leap out of linebacker Josh Ross. So Ross had been Michigan's best linebacker in 2020, but that was basically just by default. But McDonald pulled this awesome performance out of him. 106 tackles, 9 tackles for loss, um, out of a guy who was not drafted the following spring. So again, as you know, should have been obvious coming into the season, Ross had absolutely everything on a platter for him with the work that the defensive line was doing in front of him. But again, none of those linebackers actually grabbed that platter the year before, and McDonald actually helped Ross do that last year. But McDonald did something a lot bigger than improve Ross, and that is 
he basically punted on the entire rest of the existing Michigan linebacker core. So he decided to bypass guys who weren't getting it done um, in favor of sophomore Nikhail Hill Green and freshman junior Colson. And this was a phenomenal move because Hill Green and Colson were these promising players um, and in no way could they have been worse than the guys who were in front of them. It made total sense to play them. And as it turned out, they ended up being much, much better than the guys who had been in front of them. And they combined for 111 tackles. And that move was probably, probably absolutely crucial for Michigan heading into 2022. Because given the option, McDonald chose to play younger players who were very likely going to A, improve performance, and B, build valuable experience for the future. Let me pause and say that if it sounds like I'm projecting here, you're not 100% wrong. But anyway, Michigan is going to be really leaning on that upward trajectory of those young linebackers because they're really going to need it because they lose a ton heading into next year, including Hutchinson, Ojabo, Hill, Ross, and McDonald as defensive coordinator. Making things even worse is that probably their top defensive tackle, Chris Hinton, made this head-scratching decision to declare early for the draft in which he was not selected. Oh, I, so, did, I didn't even realize he didn't get drafted. Wow. I know. It was one of those things where you blink and you missed it. And then kind of after the draft, I think I remember reading at the time, after the draft being like, oh my gosh, he declared because he wasn't he wasn't picked. And honestly look around in like Michigan circles, they don't have an explanation for this either. Um, but when you add all this up, Michigan's in a pretty big pickle here. So for starters, new defensive coordinator, Jesse Minter, is pretty untested. He was the defensive backs coach for the Ravens for several years. And you know what? Let's not touch that with a 10-foot pole. We'll just move on. Um, he was defensive coordinator of an atrocious Vanderbilt team for one year. And now he's here at Michigan. So we'll see, but expecting this guy to be Mike McDonald with way less pieces is a pretty tall order because remember, this defense is only one year removed from being absolute garbage um, and some of the elements of that mess, like cornerback Amon Green, were basically shelved all of last year, but now are going to be leaned on a lot this year. Um, the guys that Michigan will be counting on to replace Ojabo, Hutchinson, and Hinton, they were all big recruits. But when you factor in that this is Michigan, we're not talking about massive recruits here. These are guys who like very much would slot in with this current Northwestern recruiting class that we're looking at, right? So bottom line, Michigan's going to play a lot of really talented guys, and they're going to try to find the best fits. And it's going to really help that they have these two great young linebackers who played a ton last year to help make this all work. But kind of in a sign of what Michigan's working with on defense, Mike Sanristil, who, Scuzz, I'm sure you talked about in last year's preview, one of those burners that Michigan had on the wide receiver core, he's a nickelback for Michigan right now. So you can kind of look and be like, Michigan's trying to work some stuff out on defense right now. So long-term... Obviously, we've been doing this for like over a decade, and I can tell you, few teams in the Big Ten have as good of a pedigree on defense as Michigan has had under Jim Harbaugh, but this team is really going to have to come together if they're going to be like a top-shelf defense in the conference, 
And it is totally possible that Michigan turns in its second defensive stinker in three years here. Uh, well, Scuzz, t- turning our attention to the offense, um, you know, Michigan didn't win the Big Ten on the on the back of their offense, but you know, it was okay, right? What are we looking at this year? I mean, they were they were decent on offense last year, but um, I think, especially given what John just outlined on the defensive side to repeat as conference champs, to challenge for the conference championship, to honestly do what they really want to do and challenge in the national championship, their offense is going to have to step up this year. And I expect there to be really little change, um, and that's going to be a problem. So my take last year was that Michigan just needed to get their young players the ball, J.J. McCarthy in particular. They did not do this. Now, maybe the joke's on me, because with that incredible defense, they were able to play conservative, run the ball, and check down football, and eventually ground teams to a pulp in the second half, because the other teams couldn't score. Uh, see the Ohio State defense, who finally cracked in the third quarter, uh, if you want some some great examples of this. This year, the squad looks very much like last year's. Uh, there's a couple of key departures, and then a big change at offensive coordinator. I suspect it's going to be wash, rinse, repeat, in terms of how Harbaugh wants the offense to run. I know that this is a wild concept for Northwestern fans to get their head around, but this is where I think Michigan is. From a personnel standpoint, offensive line and running back, uh, that's that's going to be the strength of this team. On O-line, they return their left tackle, their right guard, a ton of backup talent, and they get a Remington Award finalist grad transfer at center. So check on the offensive line. Uh, for backs, Hassan Haskins, who was the leading rusher last year, graduated. But Blake Corum was just electric uh, in terms of big playability. And, I mean, we, we saw it firsthand. Like, he was phenomenal. And super recruit Donovan Edwards now gets to really show his stuff in a complimentary role. He, um, he just averaged five yards per carry and 13 yards per catch last year, albeit in limited duty. So we should expect next to no drop-off in the ability of the running game for, for Michigan. However... Their production is going to be a factor of what the defense allows other teams to do because they had the luxury of just running endlessly on teams last year, and they wore them down and ground them to a pulp and took over in the second half of games. I don't know if that's going to be possible given everything we just heard about their defense in 2022. So TBD on the production from the running game. Let's not like throw any shade, however, at the ability or, or the talent that's, that's going to be running that. Wide receiver uh, was a bit of a mess at the beginning of last year. Their number one, like number one by six miles guy, Ronnie Bell, uh, went down with injury in the first game. <laughs> he of one reception for 76 yards and a touchdown uh, before said injury. And then a bunch of no name guys. Um, I say no name just because none of the, there was a lot of like, oh, who knows who's going to play for Michigan um, that, that came up last year uh, at, at the beginning of the season. But like, a bunch of no-name guys stepped in. Uh, San Russell, who, who John you mentioned a second ago, Cornelius Johnson, um, Andrew Anthony, Roman Wilson. Like most of these guys are back. They they did a pretty good good job last year. Uh, Bell is coming back as well. He's recovering from injury. I believe it was an ACL. There's a lot of questions of he of if he's going to be a hundred percent. But the reality is, like the experience of this group going into 2022 is astronomically higher than it was. 
They also have uh, Eric All established as a, a threat at tight end as well. Um, and they have a bunch of real good young dudes, as Michigan often does. Uh, Tyler Morris and Darius Clemens are too frosh to uh, keep your eyes on, especially Clemens, who has really good size. So, like, lazy previews uh, are citing this as a big question mark for Michigan just because it's, it, you know, they whether or not Bell can be healthy is, I guess, a legitimate thing to wonder about. But um, I think they're going to be more than fine at wide receiver. Quarterbacks where it gets interesting. And I've seen at least two, uh, two preview outlets basically say, quote, these guys can all play. Whoever wins will be fine. I disagree. If you look at the stats, it is very clear Cade McNamara, last year's starter, and the guy who I think will likely get the starting job at the beginning of, of this season, he is a good quarterback, a serviceable quarterback. He's just fine. His completion percentage is good. It's like 64, 65%. His touchdown to pick ratio is good. He checks down a lot, uh, which helps in both of these categories. Even his yards per attempt is, is you know, it's fine. It's like eight, eight yards per attempt. That's a, that's a good number. But good and serviceable just ain't going to get it done for Michigan, given where they want to go. And it's, again, especially with the losses John outlined on defense. They have to be more aggressive. They have to elevate their ceiling if they want to build on what they accomplished last year and have a prayer of competing at the national level. I fully expect McNamara to win the job again, like I said, uh, in part because J.J. McCarthy missed a good bit of spring ball with a shoulder injury. But I still believe that McCarthy, just like I said last year, is the critical choice with the potential to take Michigan to a much higher level. Yes, he is still raw throwing the ball, um, which you could pretty much blame on the Michigan coaches for not playing him much last year. And when they did, mostly running him, uh, his completion percentage pales to Cades. But even with that completion percentage disadvantage, he's a full yard higher uh, on a per, per attempt basis with an identical TD to pick ratio. So this is a guy that can extend plays far better than Cade, is much better at making big ballsy throws downfield, the type of throws that Michigan is going to need, uh, to, to do what they want to do on the national stage. He's not perfect, but he's no less perfect than, than McNamara. So I like, I just don't know what they're doing if they continue to go with like the safe senior checkdown choice, except that that's so clearly where Harbaugh's head will be. Um, it's just going to be a really interesting, uh, situation to watch. Supposedly, according to, um, I think it was Athlon, uh, Supposedly, also in play are Alan Bowman, the transfer from Texas Tech, and a, and a walk-on named Davis Warren. So for fun, y'all should go Google Warren for all the wild, quote, Warren, will no, Warren no longer a well-kept secret takes coming out of the spring game. This is ludicrous. Like, no shade to Warren. I'm sure he's a decent player and was maybe a preferred walk-on or something like that. But it's insane to think that, like, a, a brand-new walk-on QB can come in and be, like, a, 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 a well-kept secret for this team and bring them to higher heights. There's no cap on the amount of money I will wager that Cade McNamara is the starting quarterback <laughs> for this team. I, it's and, a, I, like, and, and we all agree McCarthy is the better quarterback. Yes. It's going to be Cade McNamara. So the one other interesting thing is that Mike Gaddis, last year's offensive coordinator, has moved on. Now, Gaddis came to, to Michigan from Alabama. Um, he was supposed to be a guy with a lot of, um, you know, who's going to bring a lot of excitement to the Michigan offense, who's going, who's going to bring Lane Kiffin to the Michigan offense, if you will, and took a lot of um, grief for not being aggressive enough. Uh, 
then you know they had this successful year last year, which he's parlayed into a, into a new role. But like, they didn't they they didn't get more aggressive last year. They just had an amazing defense that allowed them to run over teams in the second half. So he's moved on, and leaving but leaving in his wake are now co offensive coordinators for Michigan, uh, Mike Weiss, who was the former QB coach, and uh, Sharon Moore, who was the former tight end coach. Um, I'm not sure how this pairing is going to work. I you know. Co-OCs is, I guess, like, I don't have any stats, but it's, at least anecdotally, it's hit and miss uh, throughout other situations in college football. But I suggest that, like, given that you've got a QB coach and a tight end coach taking over as co-OCs, I suggest everyone grab the tight end Eric All for their college fantasy f- teams right now. Uh, again, I said this before, but just because it's Harbaugh, but given the internal promotions and the, and the co-coordinator situation, like, that just doubles down my expectation. This offense looks a lot like last year's. I think they're going to struggle to dominate teams on the ground like they did last year. And uh, this is going to put a lot more pressure on Cade or JJ. Um, and I think, it, in, like again, in my opinion, just like last year, they're not preparing for that reality by, start, by, by not starting JJ in week one. And I think they're going to be in for a disappointing season overall as a result. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go Cats. Well, let's, let's talk about that season. Um, you know, they, their schedule, you know, opens up pretty, pretty soft. Uh, three home games against Colorado State, Hawaii, and Connecticut. Uh, then they get into Big Ten play, home against Maryland, at Iowa, at Indiana, home for Penn State, Michigan State, at Rutgers, home for Nebraska and Illinois, and then finishing off the year at Ohio State, uh, like they always do. Um, what? There's like, so, I mean, like, further doubling down on everything Scuzz said about Cade McNamara and, like, Michigan's going to run it back. Like, three quarters of this schedule is trash. And, like, that's the that's the weird thing, right? That's where is they'll that, run it back and they'll be, they'll and, be just and, fine. And that's the thing. And ultimately... That's going to be the weird thing. Like, I've, Michigan can roll out of bed to nine wins in this schedule. But, like, what happens against Penn State? What especially happens against Ohio State? And then even, like, a game, like, at Iowa. But then, theoretically, in some magical situation where somehow they end up in the playoff again, which seems like a real tall order to me. But let's say it happens. Scuzz is absolutely right. Because I feel like Michigan is going to gear themselves to be like, look, raw talent. If we just take care of the football, nine and probably 10 wins is right sitting there on the table. But then, right, like I see them getting into a situation where, I mean, again, looking through the Big Ten as a whole at teams other than Ohio State, it can be pretty hard to find dynamic offenses. But one of these teams is going to find it other than Ohio State. And Michigan's going to be in a shootout with one of these teams. And if it's a team like a Penn State or something like that, where it's late in the game and they're looking for some sort of magic, it's like, I just, it's, it totally seems to be right. Like, it's like taking an approach that's going to settle for nine or 10 wins instead of like 
rolling the dice with McCarthy and taking a chance at 13 or 14 wins. Circle Michigan State. That's that's the team you're talking about, John. Like in addition to all the little brother and like the fact they lost to them last year and that and that that game is always cuckoo. Michigan State is going to have a legit offense and is going to put Michigan in a tough spot. I, I want to ask, you know, you say 100% chance that McNamara is starting the season at quarterback. What are the odds that he will finish is not, the season? Is not, will, yeah. That he will finish the season at quarterback. I just, again, I mean, like Scuzz is right about that Michigan State situation. And if there was some theoretical situation where it all goes totally haywire against Michigan State or even that Penn State-Michigan State stretch, right? Then maybe there's a change made somewhere. But, I mean, I I know they're going to have problems on defense. I think Scuzz outlined, though, that this team, you know, if they're not totally submarine by a lack of creativity, we know they have awesome running backs and a great offensive line. And there's just, again, like... This team late in the season plays Rutgers, Nebraska, and Illinois in consecutive games. Um, they're a whole ma- – and then like that non-con, like Jesus, and then Maryland at home. Like they're going to absolutely pace. And, and to Scuzz's point, we can all remember times last season, right? They're going to go like to Indiana or something. And McNamara is going to throw for 400 yards. And then we're all going to have to really like, oh, the Wolverines have finally found the answer. And it's like, all right, simmer down. Call me when they're playing Ohio State or when they're playing like anyone, you know. But I just feel like they've hitched their wagon to that. And, I, you know, the the question, you know, I'd tack on to your question, Sammy, is like if it doesn't happen, how long is McCarthy going to sit here? You know what I mean? Um, here's, like, the, here's the thing, though. Like, I mean, you can look at this. They get Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska all at home. At Iowa, I guess I guess that, I haven't looked at Iowa yet, but I guess that'll you know that's conceptually at least a difficult um, road trip to make. Go, going to Iowa is always a thing, right? And you know they're the defending champions. You don't they don't get to go to Iowa all that often. So I mean, you would imagine at least the atmosphere there is going to be off the chart. Save the Michigan State game just because it's always cuckoo for cocoa puffs. It is very plausible that this is a Michigan team undefeated or one loss going into the Ohio state game mm-hmm. and then gets blowed out. Yes. By the Buckeyes. I totally. I could see the exact same thing. And then everyone's like, boy, I, you know, Cade McNamara, was it the right choice? And it's like, what? yep. None of you were saying it when they were chalking up 10 wins coming into that game. Exactly. Well, well and to connect that to what Sam, you just asked, like, I don't think there's any, anything in this schedule that could trip McNamara up enough because he is a good quarterback. Like let's, let's be clear. He, he, he should be the starter at probably 11 out of 14 big 10 schools. And he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes and he's going to take care of the football. He's going to do all the stuff that Jim Harbaugh wants him to do, but in a big spot where he's got to make a big throw I want the other guy, and if you're not giving the other guy the chance to be ready for the moment at the end of the year in the horseshoe with a national championship on uh, like appearance on the line, like I, I just, I just think it's, um, it's just classic old school football coach mentality, and I think the game has moved past that. And it's not, it's not like Harbaugh runs up the score and you know, keeps his foot on the gas to get like, you know, 
McCarthy second half playing time, right? Like when they were beating the doors off of us last year, they just kept running the ball. Yeah. I mean, I, I think totally. And I think the, I, it's funny, like the one game that I would circle, and this is a team that as much as I want to start, they have a habit of absolutely no showing against teams with superior recruiting talent. Um, but that's the Maryland Terrapins is Michigan's going to open with just a, a truckload of delicious creamy frosting to start this season. I mean, Colorado State, Hawaii, and Yukon all at home. Like, Lord have mercy. And then they're going to get Talia Tagovailoa um, on the 24th. And against it with a totally rebuilt defensive line. Um, and, and potentially a step back on defense against we're going to, we're going to see it could go a couple of different ways for them, but this is certainly not going to be looking like a juggernaut defense on September 24th. And it's like, it's a little bit trappy ahead of that trip to Iowa city. If Talia could make it a shootout, that would be an interesting game. Now on the flip side, Michigan's probably going to run for 350 yards in that game. I was, I was going to say, I mean, that's like, oof. (laughs) <laughs> right. No, I know. And and that's and that's the problem, right? Is like Colorado State, Hawaii, Yukon, Maryland, Indiana, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Illinois. Like Lord have mercy. I like I, you know, just on just on ability to run the ball alone, Michigan should pace those teams. I mean, the only path I could see where things go sideways for them mid-season and they make a change is if McCarthy just looks so bad against Iowa that they decide like, "Hey, let's let's try McCarthy against did I say McCarthy if if McNamara looks so bad against Iowa that maybe McCarthy plays maybe he wins the game maybe they give him the start against Indiana he looks great again and then like all right JJ we're gonna we're gonna see what you got against Penn State and and he he could essentially steal the job but like Michigan struggling enough at Iowa for that scenario to play out just seems far-fetched to me so I you know we'll see crazier things have happened but um right I just think this is a team that's going to be staring a a wonder season in the face at the end of the year, and they are going to implode like a dying star. Uh, theoretically, you could also see a move in the bye week between Penn State and Michigan State. You know, if, if things go south against Penn State, you got two weeks to prep for Michigan State, and maybe you make a switch there. I, I just you know, as a plausible uh, move yeah. there as well. I could, I I could see like I, I, you're right, and I think like what I'm like I'm around is like. Somehow Michigan's going to drop either Penn State or Michigan State. We're going to hear a lot of those questions. There's not going to be a change made. Rutgers is immediately going to pay. I mean, uh, Michigan's immediately going to paste Rutgers, Nebraska, and Illinois. And everyone's going to be like, boy, they've righted the ship. And then they're going to get absolutely hammered by Ohio State and finish the season like 10 and 2. That's 100% the most this is the narrative. Yeah, Michigan, <laughs> yeah, that... Michigan State to the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, so ceiling for Michigan? Can, could they could they run the table? Could they win the East again? I don't think so. I don't think they're talented enough on defense, um, and I don't think they have the big play uh, potential on offense to make up for it. So yeah. no, I, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, and and you know they're they're playing certainly some offensively challenged teams, um, but I want to see what that offense can do against Iowa, Penn State, and then the Buckeyes. You know, and I, and again, I don't. I don't, uh, I, th- I like, I, I know that they're good, but 
Right. I mean, all it takes is one of the one of those three teams to get hot. I mean, we know it'll be Ohio State, but all it takes is of Iowa, Penn State, Michigan State. If one of those teams somehow finds it on offense against the Wolverines, which is not a tall order, then yeah, it's not going to go the way they want. Their ceiling, though, I mean, again, obviously, like if it's McCarthy and McCarthy ends up being everything that he looks like he potentially could be, I mean, you know, then that's that to me is what it would take to beat Ohio State. Other than that, I don't see a path for them to beat the Buckeyes. Uh, I, I, I even even then, I think they're going to need some injury luck on the other side of the ball. Like you're going to need you're going to need C.J. Stroud or some something to come loose in that Buckeye squad. Um, right. Again, it's like if when I talk about d- defenses, like nothing given what they're bringing to the table on defense nothing's a bigger deal than the fact that they simply play a lot of bad offenses one of those offenses that's quote-unquote looking bad right now is going to figure it out at least one of them is going to surprise us and then you know if that offense surprises us they absolutely can go to go to war with this michigan team uh and then for the floor i mean they get they get eight wins just you know, showing up to play, right? Uh, yeah, rolling I mean, out of bed. Yeah, literally rolling out of bed. And then I, yeah. I think I, I mean, well, yeah, Prob- yeah probably eight, nine. Eight. It's probably yeah. nine, but like you, you can see a world where they lose to Iowa, Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State. That that's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Uh, if, right. If, so if the defense, if the defense reverts to twenty twenty, and um, they can't make any improvements on offense. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but you know, somewhere between. Nine and three, ten and two, eleven and one, you know, second place in the East, kind of where, yeah. where we're landing yeah, um, for Michigan this um, year. I'm I'm saying ten and two, and uh, the game reverts to form. I would yep. say is is yep. what I'm leaning. A, a classic Jim Harbaugh season. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's been what like six of these, right? Pretty much. <laughs> Well, that'll about do it for this week. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates. Email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.